get your fingers ready to do a flip, couple of turn, page turns as we make some other references in James later on. Uh, but we, we need to pick up where we left off last week. There was so much there that there was no way for us to deal with it all, no way for us to get through everything and really deal with the nuances or even the, the, even the troubles that are caused if we misunderstand what James is saying. And so I just felt it best uh, to, to separate this and, and deal with it twice. So I'm going to read, we'll pray, and then we'll dig in. So let's, let's read the passage. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. The Lord's word says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Let's pray. Father, I just, I, I just ask that you'd be with us now. That you would teach us. You, you, you've promised your spirit would lead us into truth. And I pray that you would fulfill that promise. Father, I ask that you would guide us, lead us, build in us a desire to, just, to, to, to long to just sit and speak with you. I pray that through your word today, you would make us more a praying people. I pray this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen. This passage, as we noted last week, is a clear call for the Christian to pray. He's not messing around. Every verse has a reference to prayer. He, he, he longs for us to understand the central role of prayer in the life of a Christian. Now, this call to prayer comes in light of the, the, the passage that's just before it, to be patient and endure patiently as we wait on the Lord's return. And it comes in light of his call to repentance in which we are to draw near to God and expect God to draw near to us. And it comes in light of his call to, to humble ourselves before the Lord and expect the Lord to exalt us. This pattern, as we saw last week, was established in every one of his examples or highlights on prayer. And so this was our point. This is what we started with last week. Christian as we patiently, I'm sorry, Christian, as we wait patiently on the Lord, pray faithfully to the Lord. In every instance, this, this call to prayer is the idea of us drawing near and expecting God to do something as we, as, as we respond to Him. And, 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 and as we humble ourselves before Him, we're, we're to look to Him to do the lifting. And we're to pray faithfully, to pray regularly, consistently, in suffering and in celebration. Pray to and praise God. There's no season of life in which we should not be praying to him or, or about the things in our life, either asking for his presence, provision, and protection or praising him because he has always been faithful to give his presence, provision, and protection. We're to pray faithfully in sickness. We're to call the elders 
when you're seriously ill. Remember, if you think back to last week, this is not, hey, I got a cold and and I've got a few sniffles or I'm dealing with some seasonal allergies. He's talking about a a sickness that has us bedridden, seriously weakened to the point that the elders have to come to us. He's calling us to to be committed to prayer. This interesting thing is he's not saying you be committed to prayer, but, or, or, or you pray in this way, but, but can be, be committed to prayer so much that you ask others to pray for you. That you reach out to those who you know are praying people and seek their prayers. This is not to say we shouldn't seek medical help. Please do that. Please go to the doctor. Don't, don't call me up and say, I'm not going to the doctor because I know if you come and pray for me, God will heal you. I will tell you, I will come and pray for you and then go to the doctor with you. As we shouldn't neglect medical attention, we shouldn't neglect prayer. And pray faithfully with our brother and sister Christians. Confess to one another and pray for one another. If you remember from last week, this is about removing the hindrances to prayer. Removing those things that, 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 that uh, stunt or stifle our fellowship with God and each other. It's not about getting together and us standing up one by one and offering our confession. It's about when there is sin between me and a brother or sister, I go to that person, I confess my sin, and we pray together. Expecting the Lord to do something big. When I've sinned, there's always someone I've sinned against. And it always includes the Lord. My confession is not just about removing a barrier horizontally. It's about restoring a fellowship vertically. We pray, pray regularly. We pray, we we seek the prayer of others and we pray for one another. That is what it is to be faithful in prayer. No longer, brothers and sisters, no longer, in light of this passage, no longer do we need to bear the unbearable weight of living independently. It's interesting to me, this is, just, this is free, right? It's not in my notes, but it just dawned on me that we just celebrate Independence Day. We love independence in America. We, it, it's a trait that we strive for. And, and I hear guys talk about it all the time. I, I love this woman because she's so independent. Well, that's going to drive you nuts in about two years. We were never created to be independent. It is an unbearable weight to carry, to try to live independently. And your God has loved you enough. The God who spoke creation into existence, the God who chose to be our Savior, has said, come to me and pray Make discipline yourself to make prayer your need, your reaction. When you're suffering, pray. When you're cheerful, sing praise. In prayer, humbly draw near to God. In prayer, humbly make yourself dependent upon God. This is what James longs for us. But brothers and sisters, this is no individual sport. Prayer is not just about bringing us to God. It is bringing us together before God. That's why he says, call the elders to pray so that you don't walk in this life alone, so that you don't depend on yourself, so that you can see that God is with us and not just with you. 
It's why he says, confess your prayers to one another so that we might together draw near to God and watch him draw near to us so that we might together humble ourselves before the Lord and watch him exalt us. Brothers and sisters, when you see someone suffering, pray for them. And don't just do it in secret. Go to them and pray with them. When you see someone celebrating, you sing praises to God with them. When one of your brothers and sisters is, is, is very ill, it may be, maybe it's not going to be you standing in the room where the elders are anointing them with oil and praying. But is there anything to stop you from praying? No. Christian, as we patiently wait on the Lord, pray faithfully to the Lord. Now that's my introduction slash review. There's so much more. I would encourage you to go back. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to the sermon. It's online at our website. I think it's vital that you understand some of the nuances that are there. But this is only part of what James is calling Christians to. In fact, I I am so excited to be able to talk about what he has left to say. He he doesn't just want us praying faithfully, praying regularly. He, He wants us praying expectantly. Christian, as we wait patiently on the Lord, pray faithfully and expectantly to the Lord because God responds in power when his people pray. Prayer works. So pray faithfully, pray regularly. Make prayer your knee-jerk reaction. Pray in seasons when you endure. Pray during seasons you enjoy. Never neglect prayer. Seek the prayer of others and pray for one another. James wants his readers to see how faithful we need to be in prayer, how, how, how fortunate we are to be faithful in prayer. But he wants us to see not only are we to be faithful in prayer, we are to be expectant in prayer because God responds powerfully when his people pray. He makes this clear all the way through this passage. As, as clear as the call is to pray faithfully, the call to pray expectantly is clear. In verse 13, there's the the contrast of prayer and praise. James doesn't immediately connect these two, but there seems to be a pattern established as you look at the context. The context before, draw near to God, he draws near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. Pray to God when you're suffering, praise God when you're celebrating. You see, the, the, the idea, I think, that James is presenting is that when we pray... God gives us reason to praise. When we go to Him in prayer, God gives us reasons to praise Him because He answers prayer. Verses 14 through 15, He call call the elders for prayer. When you're sick and you call on the elders to pray, expect God to work. And we'll look at this just a little bit closer in just a minute. There's some stuff we have to deal with there. But for now, notice that James doesn't qualify the statement in any way. He doesn't doesn't make an excuse or even even temper that statement in any way. 
when, when the elders come together, they anoint the person with oil and pray in the name of the Lord. That prayer of faith, he says, will save them. That, that, that prayer of faith, the Lord will respond to and raise them and forgive them. When you call the elders together to pray for you because you are sick in bed, you can expect God to give you a reason to praise Him. James is confident in the power of God in working in response to the prayers of His people. This is the foundation of why He calls us to be faithful in the first place. That's why in verse 16, look at verse 16. He says, Therefore, because... God answers the prayer of faith because God responds in power, because God gives you reason to praise Him, because God responds powerfully to the prayers of His people. Because that's true, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. This is the very very foundation of faithful prayer is the very reason or the very fact that God responds to that prayer and he responds in power when we pray God acts God works God gives you reason to praise him and then there's this beautiful illustration verses 17 through 18 James illustrates God's powerful response to the prayer of faith and the prayer of the righteous by pointing to Elijah He doesn't call out Elijah's role as a prophet, which I think is pretty interesting because Elijah played a very significant role in the history of redemption. He just calls Elijah out as a man whose nature is like ours. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't go around comparing myself to Elijah that much. Right? In fact, I, I think I could probably find all kinds of disparity or differences between us if I look very close. But, but apart from Elijah's role in God's redemptive history, apart from that role, James tells us we're the same. Truth is, Elijah, he, he's a fallen human being just like you and I. He would have had to trust God. He would have had to exercise faith in God to live the life that God had called him to live. The righteousness that would be counted to Elijah, that wasn't his own. It was received through faith. His sins had to be paid for by Jesus' death on the cross the same way ours have. He was dependent on God just like we are. So maybe, maybe I didn't get to stand as a spirit on a mountaintop at the transfiguration with Moses talking with Jesus. But just like Elijah prayed, I can pray. Just like Elijah prayed, you can pray. That's astonishing. Because it was God who counted him righteous and because Elijah lived by faith and prayed by faith, God responded to his prayers in power. According to James, Elijah prayed and the drought lasted for three and a half years. And Elijah prayed and the drought ended and the plants began to grow and began to bear their fruit. Christian, while we wait on the Lord, 
James doesn't just want us praying faithfully. He wants us praying expectantly to the Lord because God responds in power when his people pray. Pray expectantly, looking for him to work. See, this call to prayer, over and over, James has been commanding us to do things, commanding us to act in certain ways, commanding us to live in light of the faith we say we have, to, to practice the faith we profess. Now, this call to prayer is not just a call for us to do something. It is a call for us to do something. But it's a call for us to look for God to do something in response to our prayers. There's this beautiful picture of our responsibility and God's sovereignty being put next to one another. Pray and watch what God does. Don't pray. And you're going to miss out on a lot. I'm not saying he won't work. He's not limited by your prayer. But you're not going to get to enjoy it the way you would if you would just pray. See, this, this is a call to pray, looking for God to do something. It's different than praying and wondering. I mean, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've felt this. I'm sure there's been moments in your life, maybe even you're in one now, where you offer up prayers and you're like, I don't even know if he's hearing me. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. They're not even escaping the room I'm in. Praying expectantly is, is, is about taking hold of the knowledge of how God has worked in the past. That's, what, that's why James gives us Elijah. Look at what God has done in the past. Look at how he has worked through prayer. Taking hold of the knowledge of how he has worked in response to the prayers of his people. To Moses. When Moses is on the mountain and the Israelites have, have, have just been re- redeemed or, or brought out of Egypt. And they make the golden calf and God's ready to go down and destroy them. What, is, what does Moses do? He prays. And what does God do? He doesn't destroy them. There's prayers of, of his people, the prayers of Samson. Samson had, had, had despised God, had, had run from God, had not, had not been a good judge. And in the end of his days, he prays that God would restore to him his power, and he does. The prayers of Daniel. Brothers and sisters, look at what God has done in prayer. Take hold of that knowledge and expect. Pray expectantly because that's what he has done. And pray trusting him, believing in him, that God still works powerfully in response to the prayers of his people. What he has done, he is doing. Pray expectantly. Look look for God to answer so that we have reason to praise him appropriately for it. Even if it isn't the answer you hoped for. Even if it isn't how you would do it. I'm certain that when God answers your prayer, you will have reason, more reason, to praise him than you do right now. We pray expectantly, and we can expect God to give us a reason to praise him. So let's just look at a couple of things, a couple of reasons I think that that he gives us in here to believe or to pray so expectantly, to pray in this way. First, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. I've been saying this over and over. I've been trying to hint at this, if not just flat out say it repeatedly. 
James presents this again over and over. He tells us the prayer of faith, not the oil. Not the oil. It's not the oil that has magic in it. It's not the oil that's some way, in some way used of God to do something. It's the prayer of faith that God responds to. It's the prayer of faith that has power. The wording that James gives this is, is that there seems to be some intrinsic power in prayer. <clears throat> he says it's the prayer of faith that saves. Then in verse 16, it's the second half of the verse. The, the prayer of, right, of the righteous person has great power. Again, this idea of this intrinsic power, this, this power that's woven into the very fabric of prayer. And in verse 17 and 18, Elijah doesn't get credit for holding back rain. All Elijah did was pray. But his prayer was obviously powerful. His prayer obviously made a difference. John Chrysostom, excuse me, he's an early church leader. He lived in the 300s, commenting on the power of prayer, wrote this. The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, has hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the fates of heaven, assuaged diseases, dispelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. That's power. There is in it an all-sufficient panoply, a treasure undiminished, a mind which is never exhausted, a sky unobscured by clouds, a heaven unruffled by the storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. Brothers and sisters, we pray because prayer is powerful. It works. It moves the God of heaven. It's powerful. But we must be careful. We must be careful here not to assume that James is referring to anything that could pass as prayer. I mean, you got your friends on Facebook, right? That I, maybe, maybe you don't have friends on Facebook that, that, that say things like this. But oh, I'm just realizing maybe you've said something like this. So don't feel too offended. When you find out someone's going through a difficult time or someone finds out you're going through a difficult time and you say or they say or you hear said, hey, I'm thinking of you. Prayers are coming your way. Well, what, what will I do with them? What good will I can't do anything. Don't send them to me. I, my, my positive thoughts headed your direction. What good is that? There's a lot of things that pass for prayer in our world. I don't think that's what James is referring to. Prayer is powerful when prayer to God is made. That's what's powerful. Maybe this just seems obvious to some of you. But in the world we live, I think it has to be mentioned. James is referring to prayer that is directed to the God who created and saves. This is not our power of positive thinking. This is not our our good thoughts headed towards one another. This is not praying to one another, praying to some dead person or some statue somewhere. This is us praying to the God of heaven. 
It's another lesson we can learn from the life of Elijah. I love that James picked Elijah because we get to see him. If you go back and read 1 Kings 17 through 18, we get to see him praying so regularly. But, but another lesson we can learn from the life of Elijah, maybe you'll remember the story of when he's on Mount Carmel facing off against the, against the uh, uh, prophets of Baal. And they're going to make a sacrifice and, and they're going to they're pray to their God and the one who responds, that's the one who's real. And so the prophets of Baal, they go first and they dancing around, cutting themselves, crying out, making a big scene, all kinds of theatrics, all kinds of drama. And about noon, Elijah steps out after they've gone on for a while. Elijah steps out and starts making fun of them. And you think, well, that's not very Christian. Well, you weren't there. Maybe that's what it deserved. <laughs> the, hey, maybe, maybe your God's gone off somewhere. Maybe he's gone to relieve himself. He needed to use the bathroom. Maybe he is asleep. Just shout a little louder. You can wake him up maybe. And they continued on, and absolutely nothing happened. And then the time for the evening sacrifice comes out, or comes, comes around, and Elijah, with no theatrics, no dramatics, no, no, no popping of his fingers or dancing around, and he just simply prays. And you know what happened? Do you remember what happened? Fire fell from heaven and consumed that sacrifice. Prayer is only as powerful as the one you're praying to, brothers and sisters. So don't send me your prayers. I'd rather you pray to God on my behalf. That's what I'll do for you. Don't send anyone else your prayers. You put them up in heaven to the ear of the one who can actually do something. Prayer is powerful when we pray to a powerful God. Prayer is powerless when we pray to the dead things of this world. When we, when we pray to God, though, brothers and sisters, expect God to respond in power and give us that reason to praise Him. Prayer is powerful. The, pra- the prayer uh, to God is powerful, and the prayer of faith is powerful. That's what he calls out in, in 15, in verse 15, the prayer of faith. See, if we're going to pray to God, we, and, and we expect our prayer to result in some powerful kind of thing, that, like, like the kind of thing that James is saying here, then we must pray in faith. James so clearly believes, so clearly expects that the prayer of faith has this power, has this ability to make a difference that he doesn't even qualify what he expects is going to happen when it's offered. The prayer of faith saves, and in response to the prayer of faith, the Lord raises and forgives. What we want to be careful not to do is to make faith the power in prayer. When it's simply the conduit through which the power actually flows. There's a whole group of people out there. Whole group of teachers. Health and wealth, prosperity teachers, whatever you want to call them. That are going to make the, make the power of prayer faith. If you just have enough faith. If you just believe enough. That flies in the face of what Jesus said. If you, if you have faith like a mustard seed. Well that's pretty small. 
if you just have enough, well, man, my, my, my faith must not be even as big as a mustard seed. And faith is simply the conduit by which the power flows. It's simply the conduit which God does work in our life. And he's already shown us the contrast of the importance of, of faith. He, he, he shows us that, that faith is indispensable, but it's not the faith that is the power. And I'll show you this in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Look, look at what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Now, that's another, another promise of God's response to prayer. But, he says, here he's going to qualify this. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Here, you can see the contrast. You pray with faith and you get to see the Lord work. You pray without faith and you might as well be, well, you'll be tossed to and fro by the storms of your life. Well, eventually you're going to be, you're going to be bashed against the rock and there's no hope left for you. Again, chapter 4, beginning of chapter 4, where it's not a call to prayer, but James talks about our prayer. He says in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And there's a lot of people that just were, oh, well, if I just go ask him for it, then he's going to give it to me. He's going to give me whatever I want. And they're able to say that because they ignore the next verse. But that's not at all what he's saying in chapter 4, verse 2, because in verse 3 he tells us, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You're not asking in faith. You're not making a prayer in faith. You are, you, you are praying to God to be your servant, to bow before you, to do as you demand, to be your little Santa Claus in the sky so that you can have whatever you want in this life. See, when we pray and God doesn't give us what we ask for, we, we, I, I think we should be checking our heart. We should be seeking to discern whether what we're asking for is a self-centered request or if it's really a, a faith, faith-filled request. Because when you approach God selfishly and not in faith, you, you have no reason to expect Him to respond affirmatively. But when you ask, and you ask in faith, you have every reason to believe He's going to work. So the prayer of faith is not about getting what you want so that you can have what you please here and now. The prayer of faith is about entrusting yourself, entrusting ourselves, even those we pray for, to God's providential will. The prayer of faith, trust that God's will is always the best for you and for me. It, it binds us to Him. It, it, it draws us into His will, in fact, the prayer of faith is a prayer like Jesus' prayer on that night that he was arrested when he, when he was just overcome with grief to the point that he was sweating drops of blood and he prayed before the Father and he asked the Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, may this cup pass from me. And 
And he qualified that prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the will of God. Because when Jesus stood up from that prayer, he was arrested, then tried, then crucified. You see, when we pray our prayers of faith, we don't just get what we want. We get drawn into the providential will of God. We get to see what he wants. We get to see what he longs for. We get to see what he says is best. And think it's not good that Christ died on the cross. Well, while it grieves me that he had to die for me, I am so grateful he did. The prayer of faith, it doesn't manipulate God's will. It isn't the power. Instead, it draws us into his will. It submits before his will. And when we pray in this way, that kind of prayer is endued with power. This is why James is so confident here. When we pray for God's will in healing, God's will If God's will is that healing occurs, it will. Nothing can stop it. This is last week. I got to go to the hospital and pray with someone. Oh, man, just sick. I prayed and I pled and I just pleaded with God. And I knew immediately that it wasn't God's will to heal in that moment. Don't know exactly why it wasn't God's will to heal in that moment. But I knew it wasn't God's will to heal in that moment because I believed. I trusted God. I knew that God would have a purpose. And I prayed that he would have his way. But the very next day, that person was at home and feeling better. Because the doctors were able to discern exactly what was wrong and begin to treat that issue. And I praise God. Oh, you can say, ah, the medicine did it. Yeah, maybe so. But who gave us the medicine? Who who enabled the doctors to see what was the cause of the problem? Who gave us the technology that any of that could even occur? Ah, brothers and sisters, I praise God. See, when we pray trusting him, entrusting ourselves and those we pray to him, we can and should expect God to respond in power and give us reason to praise him. And just this week, he did. He absolutely did. Prayer that's powerful is prayed to God. The prayer that's powerful is prayed in faith. The prayer that is powerful is the prayer of a righteous Person. This is verse 16, the second half of it. He points it out specifically. If we have to be honest, and we need to be honest, none of us are really righteous by nature, are we? So what hope do we have in praying in this way? What chance is there of ever offering a prayer that God would respond powerfully to The beautiful thing is, is that even though you're not this by nature, you're like Elijah. You're counted righteous by a righteous God. 
See, I, I believe in some way, this is why James connects confession with prayer. He, he wants us to remove any hindrances to our prayers. He wants us to seek restoration of our fellowship with God and each other. In it, we're forced to see that our righteous standing before God must come to us as a result of His forgiveness, of His grace, of His mercy. Because I have to stand before this righteous, holy, perfect God. And recognize that I have desires that I shouldn't have. And recognize that I have, have longings in this world that I shouldn't have. And, and sometimes I just want what I want and not what He wants. And sometimes I offend brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do things that hurt their feelings or, or sin against them in some way. And I, I need to just let them know that, 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 that I've done it and I'm sorry for it. Because as I walk repentantly, I'm reminded regularly... That my standing in righteousness is not my own, but one given to me by the gracious, glorious goodness of our God. So let's not fool ourselves when we pray. Let's not, let's not imagine that, that we're standing here deserving of something. Walking up with our head held high. God, you must do this because look at who's asking. How foolish. Because it's not our righteousness that we're clothed in. Instead, it's the righteousness of Christ. We should not underestimate this in any way, how important and precious this is. Tim Keller speaks to this in his book, Prayer. There's a subtitle, but just prayer. We know God will answer us when we call because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that, the sin, that we sinners merit so that our prayers could have the reception that He merits. You see, when we stand before the God of heaven clothed in righteousness that He has blessed us with in Christ and we are asking Him to work by faith in accordance with His will, God will respond in power not because we deserve it but because His Son Jesus, our Lord and Savior, us. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful. It is effective. It works because God is responding to the person in the way that he would respond to his own son. Don't miss this, brothers and sisters. This endues your prayer with power. So confess your sins to one another. Walk in fellowship with God and pray to Him in faith expectantly, looking for Him to respond in power and give you more and more reasons to pray Him. Pray expectantly because prayer is powerful. Second thing, pray expectantly because God answers prayer. Prayer works powerfully. We've said this over and over. We've said it time and again. Prayer works powerfully because when God's people pray, God works powerfully. It is not our faith that gives prayer power. Faith is a conduit for God's power. It is not our righteousness that that fills our prayer with power. It is His righteousness in His people that fills our prayers with power. God is the source of this power. And He answers Prayer. There's no such thing as unanswered prayer. We, I know we got to use this kind of language so, because that's what's common. I know that we go around talking about God hasn't answered my prayer yet. No, God just didn't answer the prayer the way you wanted him to, but God has answered your prayer. 
He has either said no, not yet, yes, or, or, or maybe he might even say here's something better. Here's what you really need. When Mary and Martha sent for Jesus to heal their brother Lazarus, the scripture tells us that Jesus waited. And when the time was right, after Lazarus had died, he tells his disciples, all right, let's get up and go. And they're like, oh, Jesus, don't you know people are trying to kill you? And he says, hey, we've got work to do. This is, this is a, a revised version, so <laughs> you, can read, sorry, you can read about this in John 11. He says, let's go. And they said, oh, we're not sure about this. But they got up and went. And when they arrived in Bethany, Martha hears that Jesus is coming. She runs out to him. Oh, Jesus, if you had just been here, if you had just been here, you'd have healed him and Lazarus wouldn't have died. She runs back and she tells her sister Mary, oh, Jesus is on his way. Mary runs out. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, if you had just been here, you could have healed him. Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus' answer to, to Martha was this. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, the reality is that Jesus got up and went. He could have healed Lazarus. Absolutely, he could have healed Lazarus. He could have made Lazarus well ten times over. He could have healed Lazarus without even getting up and going. He didn't even need to be present. See, Mary and Martha, and yeah, even you and I need to see. We need to learn that Jesus isn't able to just raise himself. He's able to raise the dead. He's able to raise people like you and me. He is the resurrection and the life. Imagine what we would miss out on, what scripture couldn't be written had Jesus just done from heaven what he could have done from heaven and we would never have gotten to see him work. We would never had an example to believe in. We would have never had an example to follow. We would have never seen the power of our savior at work in this world. Oh man, we'd be filled with doubt. But because he has worked the way he has worked, we can believe. Or how about Paul, who prayed repeatedly for the thorn in the flesh to be removed? That he knew, he understood full well, God gave me this thorn in the flesh that I wouldn't become arrogant, that I wouldn't, wouldn't get all puffed up in myself and proud and, and forget him. But I've prayed for this thorn in the flesh to be removed. Three times I've prayed and it's still here. God didn't remove it. But God still answered him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Oh, we're so quick to ask God to change our circumstances. So quick to ask God to, to make things easy for us. And, and please don't misunderstand. I, I think we have a case for it here. I think James is calling us to pray in that way. But just because God doesn't answer you the way you expect him to answer you doesn't mean he hasn't answered you. That's why we're to pray expectantly. Look for God to work. And, and, and here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. You, you can pray these prayers and you can sit there demanding God answer you and God's answered you and shown you His power and shown you His grace and, and you can be so fixated on this answer, on saying, God, you must do this. But you're going to miss out on the lesson that He's given you. Pray expectantly, looking for God to work, teaching you the lessons of His power and His presence. To even finally, anecdotally, I... It's been my experience in prayer, and I just was relearning this lesson myself, just not this last week, but the week before as I prepared this passage originally. That as often, and maybe, maybe more often, I don't have any scientific data there, but maybe, maybe more often God doesn't change the circumstances I'm asking Him to change. But He always changes my heart to endure. I was... I was sitting and thinking over <clears throat> Ephesians. Sitting with, a, <clears throat> sitting with a group of pastors, and this is the same group of pastors I talked about last week. Sitting there talking with them, amazed at this one man's testimony. And considering where we as a church have been, oh, for, well, it's been over a year uh, but but where we were at, let's just say in 2018, and some of the things that I was dealing with in my own heart and soul, some of the difficulties we faced. And as I sat and talked with these pastors about where we were after having listened to this one pastor set such a beautiful example of what it is to pray to God and praise God when things are good, it dawned on me this year that, you know, we still have struggles we still have difficulties. There's still people in this church suffering deeply. My days are filled with, with study and prayer and spending time with people who desperately need help. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, last week, I took last week off as the first, I, I prepared and wrote the rest of the sermon out, but it was the first week I haven't been in people's homes carrying burdens alongside people in some time. Our lives are not easier today than they were last year. There's plenty of suffering to go around. But because my heart has been reoriented to the gospel, because my heart has seen the glorious grace and goodness of God in his choosing, predestining, and and redeeming, and adopting, and forgiving, and lavishing his grace upon me, that these troubles seem more like light and momentary afflictions than big, heavy burdens that are about to crush. See, brothers and sisters, prayer is powerful because God answers prayer. He just, not, he just might not answer it in the way you want Him to, but He'll answer it in a way that's better for you. So pray expectantly. In the words of Tim Keller, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we know everything that he knows. So pray expectantly because God responds in power when his people pray.
So let me just close with just a couple practical things that I would call you, encourage you to do. Pray. Even when you don't know what to pray for. Now, we went through a list of things that you can pray for last week. Go back, listen to that sermon and write those things down. Even, even when you don't know what to pray for, you pray. Pray in faith for God to have his way. And then you watch. You watch. And you expect him to act. And I can guarantee you this, not because it's my promise, but it's the promise of Scripture. You will see him work. And your faith will be grown And you will be able to count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And and your relationship with him will grow. And you will find wisdom bestowed upon you. And you will see your maturity flourish. So you pray. Pray. Because the reality is that there are some things God doesn't give us when we don't ask. You have not because you ask not. So ask him for anything. And expectantly wait for him to give you whatever he longs to give you. Pray. Pray and keep praying. Don't stop praying. And expect God to respond. Because he longs to. He longs to act in power on behalf of his people. Let's pray now. So I just want you to take a minute before I close us in prayer. I want you to seriously consider your life of prayer. Are you praying faithfully? Are you given to prayer in your life? When you pray, do you expect him to work? So if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes and just spend a minute with the Lord. Ask him to reveal to you any doubts you have. Ask him to give you the faith to expect him to work. Ask for his wisdom that you might be able to apply the truths of his word to your everyday life. Ask that you would know him and the hope you have because of him the glorious inheritance that waits for you and that you would know his power that's worked on your behalf. Ask him for strength to endure and as frightening as this might be to some, ask him for patience that instead of running to do your own thing, You'd be empowered by his spirit to wait on him. And ask that you'd be able to live every day in faith as you do.